What's up, everybody? This is Larry Kruger. I'm Guy. We're uh, at Levi Stadium. We're hanging out. There's an hour between Kyle Shanahan talks, then there's media availability in the locker room, and then there's practice, which uh, Larry likes to go out and count every active player. That's right. And so I said, uh, Larry, why don't we do a little stream? And Larry said, it's a great idea. And so here we are, and this is on his channal, Picking a Pickle, our channel, Haberman and Middlecoff, YouTube. Uh, Tito's. That's right, Pig and a Pickle. Uh, New York style Italian sausage and Marinado glass. And uh, uh, underdog, fantasy. underdog fantasy. Underdog fantasy. Don't forget underdog fantasy or mojo fantasy. I've got them both. Wow. All right. Uh, don't play Brock Purdy this week. I would say that's the headline from Kyle Shanahan's press conference. Uh, I was going to, the question did get asked. I was not sure what he would say. He sounds like he's going to be the emergency third quarterback. Right. But if it comes to that, he probably would only hand off. Right. Which would be, you know, it'd be a pretty dramatic day, but he is going to get, it begged the question, well, how are you going to practice? Like, is he going to be your scout team quarterback? And he's going to get half the reps. So they're right. going to, they're going to practice it. Like he's going to get a lot of practice. And Kyle, I thought the biggest takeaway today, Larry, he was adamant that two weeks off is no good for anybody, even right. Trent Williams. I was a little surprised by that. I would think more rest would be better, but um, I asked that question first right out of the shoot. I just wanted to get it out in the open because I kind of got the sense that that question was coming, which was, is Brock going to go? Brock's not going to go. So, um, But also, it didn't sound like he is in any rush to play Brandon Allen at all. So I don't think Brandon Allen's going to get any snaps. I think it's all going to be Sam Darnold. Brandon Allen will go in if need be. If one of those guys gets hurt, or both those guys get hurt, uh, then we'll see Brock. But I don't think we're going to see – I think it's going to be all Sam Darnold. I don't think you're going to see uh, Brandon Allen. I don't think you're going to see Brock Purdy. And um, we, we shall see if that's a good idea. I mean, last year you needed your third quarterback to play. To me, it seems like this would be a golden opportunity to play Sam Darnold, I don't know, three quarters, and play Brandon Allen for one quarter. But it doesn't sound like that's the plan. It sounds like the plan is Sam Darnold – is going to get this game start to finish. Um, and I like the idea that they're not going to play Brock because anything can happen. If he goes down, your chances of winning the Super Bowl go drop dramatically. I think everybody understands that. So I like the fact that they're going to not play Brock Purdy here. Uh, I guess it probably, if you want to play Brandon Allen, it probably complicates your practice situation, right? You don't want to play him and not practice him, but Kyle really wants to practice Brock. Right. So maybe that's where it complicates it. Also, Kyle Shannon has been waiting to play a Sam Darnold four-quarter game since uh, – what was Darnold's uh, draft class? Since that draft class. Yeah. Since they traded for Jimmy in October. He'd already been watching some Darnold film. He's one – I mean, this is – Darnold's going to be a free agent. Right. He's dying to play Sam Darnold for four quarters. Yeah. He's not saying that, and I think he really wants to win this game. I think – I don't know if it's underrated, but it's – the game matters a lot to him to beat Sean McVay and to beat the Rams. And this game matters for the Rams in terms of who they're going to play in the first round of the playoffs. It does. I think that's the other, I mean, a couple interesting things. One, so this practice reps will get split up 50-50 between Darnold and Purdy. So they're going to go forward this week like Brock is, you know, they want to get Brock full practice reps. So he'll get full practice reps. Darnold will probably play every snap in the game. The interesting side is on the Rams side, Stafford is not going to play in this game. They're yeah. going to go with Carson Wentz, and that's a little bit of a surprise. And it's, I feel like McVeigh, in some ways, may be showing his hand of cards. Does he want it? Is he playing Wentz because he wants to get Wentz reps, or is he playing Wentz because Stafford is dinged up? 
or is he playing Wentz because deep down they prefer to play the Detroit uh, the Dallas Cowboys and not the Detroit Lions? Um, that might be the real reason. They may be trying to duck the Lions and play the Cowboys instead. You you saying McVay would rather play Dak than Golf than take Stafford back to Detroit? It seems like if Dallas if if the Niners were to beat first of all, I think the Niners have a better chance of beating the Rams if Stafford sits and they go with Wentz. Right. So if that's the case, and if the Rams lose to the Niners, they have a better chance of playing Dallas than Detroit. So my only read on that has got to be that maybe they prefer to play Dallas. I will say this, you know, I was sitting in with Mark Willard a couple weeks ago in 95-7 the game, and he and we had Jason Lockenfora on. Jason Lockenfora came right out and said, if the Rams and Cowboys match up in the playoffs, the Rams will beat the Cowboys. It's just, a, just an opinion, but it's an opinion that I also agree with. So um, – Better coach, the, better quarterback. Would you I, agree with that? That the Rams would have the advantage in coach and quarterback? Yeah. I mean, the Rams can score 30 points a game. I just think Dallas is a team that if you run the ball well, you can run it down their throat. The Niners have done it. Buffalo's done it. Um, I don't think Dallas is a great run D. And then Stafford against the Rams with Puka and Cup, Demarcus Robinson, Higby, Tutu, um, I think I think the Rams have offensive balance. If you're a team that has offensive balance and you can run the football, I think you can beat Dallas. Dallas beat them the first time, but the Rams are a much better team than they were. Yeah. Dallas put 43 on them, but just looking at the numbers, yeah. Stafford was 13 to 22 for 162. They didn't really run the ball that effectively. They're a different team. Uh, I thought one of the uh, one of the interesting things Dallas also was at home, and they're going to be at home again. Dallas hasn't lost at home all year. I'd rather go to Dallas than Detroit. Yeah, I'd rather play Dallas than Detroit. Detroit, I think, has less talent. If you're the Niners, you'd rather play Dallas than Detroit? I would rather play Dallas than Detroit. I think the Niners feel tremendous confidence against Dallas, where I think Detroit understands they're an up-and-coming team. They're playing with the house money. Um, They're all about a next-year play. So I think this is really kind of like – they're kind of like footloose, fancy-free. They're just – they know there's no expectations this year. Anything they do is gravy. I know a lot's changed. This defense still would, I think, thrive against golf just like they did. Yeah. And, and you know, golf types, right? Um, immobile types. Immobile types. Pocket players. Uh, I thought one of the interesting things Shanahan said today, did you catch what he said about Stafford? He's maybe said it before. said he's the best quarterback he's ever studied. Yeah. Or as he's never studied. Basically, he's, ne- he's not studied a better quarterback, which – yeah. When we do our top 10, where does Brock Purdy fit in the top 10 rankings in the NFL? Does that mean you have to put Stafford, Stafford ahead of Brock? Yeah, I mean, Stafford, when he's going well, is a beautiful thrower of the football. The ball comes out fast. He's got enough mobility. I mean, he's a true blue chipper. There's a reason that Stafford was the first pick overall. And I think Stafford's really, really special. I almost feel like Kyle when he was considering acquiring Stafford really fell in love with the skill set that, that Stafford provides. And uh, it, it makes me laugh too, because there were so many people I was on mad dog radio back then that draft night. And there were so many jets fans who were like, tell me Sanchez is better than Stafford. And I'm like, no dude, Stafford is way, 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 way better than Sanchez. And the jets fans at the time didn't want to hear it. And within a year they were all talking trash because Stafford or Sanchez 
did play well initially, and they got to the I think the AFC title game with Sanchez twice, but, right? Yeah, but they would have won a Super Bowl. They might have won a Super Bowl I with Stafford. Oh, it was fat with Sanchez. They might have won a Super Bowl with Stafford if they oh, had if Stafford. They had had Stafford. Yeah. yeah, but even with Sanchez, I mean, they they Sanchez had some early early career success, but as time has gone on, Sanchez is known for the butt fumble, and Stafford has a ring. Yeah, you know, uh, you talked to somebody in the locker room today. Who, who were you talking to in the locker room today? I talked to a couple guys today. I talked to um, Eric Harris, who's an incredible story, the former Raider. And this guy is just, you know, sometimes I just like talking to guys whose stories are amazing. This guy um, went to California College in Pennsylvania, which is like a Division three school, and didn't get drafted and basically started working at a potato chip factory and um, but kept the dream alive and paid $80 to go to a Hamilton Tiger Cats tryout. Oh, this is right up your alley. Yeah. Tried out with the Tie Cats, made the team, eventually went to the Saints, found his way to the Raiders, earned a contract for a million dollars or whatever as a special teamer, took care of his family. His wife also was involved in a very serious car crash, and she had partial brain um, memory loss and brain, some, not brain damage, but memory loss. And he's just a great story. The guy's got four kids, and he's, he's a story of perseverance and um, he's kept that dream alive, and now he's with the 49ers. He's 33. Uh, they called him. He was active last week. He'll probably be active this week. And it's just a – you know, you think of this as a throwaway game. It's not a throwaway game for everybody. For some people, this is the Super Bowl, and Eric Harris is one of those guys. And I just wanted to tell his story and, and touch base with him. Really interesting guy. And then we talk, I talked to Tay Martin, who I'm a big fan of as well. Uh, Tay Martin was a great wide receiver at Oak State. And he and is Washington a State before that. And Washington State before that. And he transferred because of the pandemic, didn't think he was going to get a chance to play, went to Oak State, really was a star player in two different pro, two different offenses, in two different conferences. Um, and he's really a very good receiver, except you have Debo and JJ and Ayuk and Ronnie Bell and all these guys in front of him. Tay Martin has great ball skills. He's 6'3". He runs fast enough, like requisite speed, not great speed, but requisite speed. He could be a hundred yard. He could have a hundred yard day in week 18. He's that he's got those kinds of ball skills and all he's going to take is one game like that to kind of put him on the map for pro personnel directors. And so we just talked about where he's at and the choices he's made. And I said to him, Hey, look, you could, you could have played for a different team and been on the field by now. Instead, you chose to be here, and you're sitting behind great players. How do you view that decision? Do you think about it? And he's like, yeah, I do think about it, but I think I made the right decision. I've developed my game. I've learned. He says he's learned a lot from watching Brandon Ayuk. So I'll be rooting hard for Tay Martin. I told him, I said, man, you got a 100-yard day in there. I know what's in there. And, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're buddies because I've, I've been interviewing him for the last year and a half on the practice squad. I was a big fan of his in college. So – I really like talking to him, and uh, he's a good dude. And and I'm, I'm these are the kinds of guys that you know. It's week eighteen. Um, these guys are going to get an opportunity to shine, and hopefully they can for themselves and their families. Yeah, it's you know, Kyle was asked. I thought it was a good question. I don't remember who asked it, but uh, is this closer to preseason game planning or or not? And the right. answer was like, yeah, because we might, it, they might actually play the Rams very soon um, in their first game. Right? It might be January twentieth. I talked to Ayuk today. He was shooting jumpers. As, yeah, I saw you. Know, you I, 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 I spent a lot of time shooting jumpers, and I was like, "Hey, do you, you know, can you, 
you have a second. He said, what do you want to talk about? And I just showed him the video of him blocking Patrick Queen in the Ravens game. Yeah. He's like, okay, <laughs> we can talk. Yeah. So we talked about uh, just receiver blocking and how he never had been asked to block ever in his career. Yeah. Wasn't Certainly wasn't asked to block in college at Arizona State. Wasn't asked to block in junior college. Wasn't asked to block in high school in Reno. And uh, I said, well, what's the number one requirement of being a good blocker? And basically, Desire. anger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anger. I, so, so you're angry. He said, I'm going to start getting angry. He said he's going to start getting angry for the Rams game watching film this week. He will start mm-hmm. building up his anger. And then whoever he has to block on that particular play, he is angry at that at that person. So, he, you know, I, I got the sense that he thinks he might have to block Patrick Queen again. Um, that's kind of what everybody's picking right now is the Niners-Ravens rematch. If you, yeah. look, if you look at the, the – pro, we're, we're doing this before the Pro Bowl – Votes will come out at five o'clock. Did you see the Pro Bowl voting? I did. The I fan did. voting. The fan the voting. Fan, Niners have a, a leader in like fourteen different positions or something like and that. And Ayuk's number one in the NFC. Um, one thing I want to talk to you about today, Larry, was John and I talked a lot about, obviously, as everybody talks every day about Brock. Yeah. But specifically, like, not what he's done. What has he proven? What has he still yet to do? And you know, on the to-do list, I would say is against the elite defense, making the right plays. Um, the Ravens and the Browns. And uh, there's no part of me that thinks he can't do it. In fact, if the Niners and Ravens were to rematch, I would, depending on how it looks when they get there, I'd likely pick the 49ers in a yeah, rematch. I would too. Um, but, but it doesn't mean that he still has, he, he, he has proven that he can go and beat that team. Or maybe in your mind he has. How do you sit with that? Because I think it's, you know, I said, I said it was a little bit of gray area and people, some people pushed back on that idea of there being any gray area. And uh, to me, like, you know, here's Josh Allen's been in the league six years. Lamar's been in the league five years. And these guys are constantly having to prove it again and again and again. So that, that opinion by me is not Brock-specific. It's, it's just quarterback-specific, like, until you've really go done, gone and done it. Um, so where are you with, with Brock coming off the Ravens game, coming off the, the Commanders game, and just kind of, like, what it takes to win a Super Bowl? Because that Pro Bowl thing, like, when you have 10-plus Pro Bowlers – 94 team had 10 plus Pro Bowlers. Yeah. And the, you know, 84 team had 10 plus. 95 team had 10, 10, not plus, 10 Pro Bowlers. Like, your job is to go win the championship. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, guy, because it's like, I feel like Brock is not the player that people bill him as. They look at him and they judge the book by the cover and they say, ah, oh, you know, he's, he doesn't throw it down the field and he's a check down guy. And he's the opposite. He's, he's a, he's a, if, if you really want to say, you know, give me somebody that he reminds you of, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Brett Favre coming out of Southern Miss in that he just has – he's impatient and he wants to make every play. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what he's going to need to show um, is, you know, all quarterbacks have to have that dial perfect between risk-reward. Like, be aggressive, play the position, keep attacking downfield, but – take care of the football. And it's just a matter of, I thought it was interesting what Kyle Van Noy said in his podcast after the Ravens game. Hey, we have the solution to beat Brock and the 49ers. That's basically what he said. And other teams ought to copy us. And all that I got out of that was when I watched the all 22 is that the Ravens blitzed corners off the edges, dropped linebackers deeper into coverage, dropped their safe safeties even deeper had basically tried to figure out what windows does Brock want to throw into 
and then just pack as many people in those windows as they possibly can and then just be alert and aware in a zone and try to break cleanly on the football. There was no real secret, but that in and of itself could be a secret. So how do you counter that if you're Brock Purdy and you're Kyle Shanahan? I think you counter that by being patient and taking the check down, you know, understanding that more minutes that you can log on the field, the more minutes they have to play defense, the more minutes they have to play defense, the less energy they have. So, and also I thought in this commander's game, Brock looked really uncomfortable guy in the first quarter. I felt like he threw some, some balls that weren't great. Hmm. Um, and I just feel like maybe there are more defenders in the middle of the field and that maybe a few more corner routes, a few more out routes, a few more uh, outside the numbers uh, patterns might be something he has to focus on. Those are all capable throws he's capable of making. But if I, I would say anything, I'd say, you know, he's an anticipatory thrower. And the way to counter that is to anticipate where he's going to throw it and try to flood those zones with defenders. And I think for him, it's just be really sure before you let that ball go what you're throwing into, that you have a full account of the defenders, that you know what defense you're looking at, uh, that you understand what coverage they're in, um, and that you're patient. I think patience is going to be the key for him. At the end of the day, he's still a 24-year-old quarterback who's in his second year, and he's an aggressive quarterback. He's thinking aggressive. You can even see it in his eyes when he, when they when they show um, the TV copy, and you're getting a, a chance to see his eyes looking at the f- the field. He really spends a lot of time looking down the field. He never looks at his checkdown guys. He'll just go to them at the last second. He's looking downfield, downfield, downfield. All right, I'm checking it down. Like he's aware of his checkdown guys, but he's not looking at them. So I just think that he's going to have to show patience. Uh, if teams defend him the way the Ravens and maybe the commanders did. And I think that's going to be a challenge for him, to be honest. And I think for Shanahan, he's going to have to um, maybe throw a few more patterns that are not in breaking routes that are out breaking routes and try to keep the defense a little bit more honest. I, I worry that you overcorrect trying to make that adjustment at this point in the year. I thought what happened early against Washington, you know, that first drive stalled out a little bit. Yeah. Their first through two throws of that game were not – they were easy throws, simple throws. Right. And I thought they came out very under control. Like, let's I – don't, I don't think it was so much about let's get Brock his confidence. I thought he had his confidence. Um, but I thought it was very kind of let's just – let's not do anything crazy here early. The irony is that his, his confidence, even if he – did you think he had rattled a little bit in the Ravens game? I think most people do. I, I don't think rattled is the right word. I just think that um, sped up. Sped up. I, the irony was through it all, whatever rattled, sped up. He still came out after every mistake and made good throws. Like he right. came out and hit Debo over the middle. He came out and hit Kittle over the middle. He made some really excellent throws in that game. And I don't know how many of those four interceptions. There were the four picks. and there was the fifth. Willie Sneed kind of gets, you know, hit coming out of his break and the ball hits the defender in the face. And maybe if that's... Juwan Jennings, it's a different play. But they still hit 11 plays at 20 yards or more in that game, more than they've hit in any other game, air yard throws, in any other game this year. So, you know, I think he's a lot closer. I'd be careful overcorrecting on the Ravens because Mm -hmm. I think part of what makes him so special is he does make the decision so fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And, and, you know, he makes the decision very quickly. He's processing very quickly. He does. And – you know, their defense, I thought, held up and helped. I thought Washington was a version of him that was 
just kind of dialing it back a little bit early on. Then they kind of then they started getting it going again. But I'd worry about overcorrecting, trying to get them to be too patient. Uh, if I were the coaching point to me would be let's make those adjustments, whatever adjustments they are, but also let's throw that game in the trash can. Like Brock, if you play that game ten more times, you're actually gonna, you're going to throw three touchdowns in one pick in eight of those games. You know what right. I mean? Well, like, that's what I'd want him to feel. I asked him about it the 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 Wednesday or I guess the Thursday after the Ravens game. I said, you know, do you feel like after watching the film that you have the answers to a lot of the issues that the Ravens kind of, you know, um, brought up by the way they played and defended you? And he said, yeah, I feel like we have the answers. I feel like it was on me. I feel like um, I, I didn't I didn't execute uh, the way I wanted to. Um, I've got to be better. He kind of took it all on himself, but he felt like he had the answers. You know, and that right there is a big part of it. You know, if you feel like you have the answers to what, you know, to what teams are trying to test you with, that's a big part of it. Um, so I, I think that's good. Whether he has the answers or not, if he believes he has the answers, um, that's a big part of it. That means you watch the film, you digested what they did to you, you feel like you made some some execution errors. And let's be honest, I mean, the ball – you know, the ball placement was pretty good. A lot of times it just bounced up into – instead of bouncing off a guy into the ground, it bounced up into the air, and the defenders were all sitting right there. you got to credit Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton's a great, great player, and he had a great, great game. So um, I really felt like if the Niners get the Ravens again, um, the game's going to go much different because I think the Ford Niners did a lot of good things in that game, and yet our takeaway was, oh, my God, it was a nightmarish effort. And a lot of the people that I talked to on the streams that week, guy, were like, the Niners got their asses kicked. And it's like, okay, they got owned and this and that. Well, the score, they definitely got beat decisively. But um, Baltimore just showed to Miami what they can do when they – when they, when they really, don't get resistance. Yeah. yeah, they can. And Baltimore's really a good football team. I thought offensively it was a lot about Lamar. Defensively, I thought it was a lot about Hamilton and the bounce of the ball. If that's a two-touchdown, two-interception game instead of a zero-touchdown, four-interception game, you know, maybe things look different. But um, I, I think the 49ers did a lot of good things, running the ball, passing the ball. Um, I don't think the Ravens have great weapons. I don't like their runners and – Outside of Zay Flowers, I don't love their receivers. So I, I like the Niners' chances if they get them again in Vegas. Yeah, any other takes we should uh, unload today? Um, hmm. This is on your channel too. You can, yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I think the 49ers really – I think I've, I've had an appreciation for Eric Armstead, but I think I have more of an appreciation yeah. for Eric Armstead today than I did even three four weeks ago. Just you talk to the players – Javon Kinlaw, T.Y. McGill, the other defensive linemen, they hold him in such high regard. Um, he's such a vital player for them against the run and the pass. And I just think that his health is obviously vital. And then I would also, if there was one more question I was going to ask today, it's like I don't understand why Dre Greenlaw doesn't get Pro Bowl consideration. He's never been in the Pro Bowl. He doesn't look like he's among the leaders this year. I, I, he probably will be on the outside looking in. I don't get that. I'm not. I, I don't, to me, he seems like a vital, vitally important player. He's a tone setter. He's a hitter. He's good against. He's great against the run. I think he's his freshness. I think is really important. So I think he'll probably play in this game, but they'll probably get him off the field quick for D. Winters, Jalen Graham, 
Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, Curtis Robinson, anybody else they have. But um, I think getting Dre fresh is a major part of the Niners finishing this thing and winning the Super Bowl. Did you see the tweet Daniel Jeremiah had yesterday about the Niners and Ravens? No. I'll – we're we're uh, we're not playing a home game here on the road, so I'm not. We're at Levi Stadium. I'm not going to share screen, whatever. But fun, he, he, what he tweeted was fun to look at how the Niners and Ravens built their teams. One thing that stood out to me is the commitment to off the ball linebackers. So many teams have devalued the spot, and they're invested in it. Those four dudes are incredible players, and they shut down the middle of the field, run and pass. Um, and I just you know reading that one thing you thought I, I thought was just how beat up the Niners are up the middle of the defense yeah. between Armstead. Obviously, Hargrave came back. You lose Hufunga. Jair Brown's dealing with the knee. Greenlaw could use a blow, of course. And um, how critical, you know, if you play the Ravens, how critical both those spots on both sides are going to be. And um, uh, that right now it feels like the Ravens are healthier than the Niners are. Yeah, that, Queen in and that, Roquan. That group. Were, Queen and Roquan looked like they were fresh, like it was week three or four. Niners looked tired last week. Niners have looked tired I think really ever since, gosh, probably say the Minnesota game. I mean, they've had games where before where, the bye, they before the bye, then they, they look tired fresh. before the bye. Well, they they look tired tired going into the bye. Then yeah. they look tired after two or three weeks after the bye. Just so because of the way they play, you think they're so physical, they're so fast. They're asking those second line defend the second level defenders to do so much. And this goes back to Bowman and Willis. Yeah, and they asked Bowman and Willis to do a ton. Um, to me, when you have guys who run four five, and they're instinctive, and the you know they're those are very valuable players. Um, you know, four five speed is great, but if you have poor instincts, you're you're just further away from the play. You're fast. There's a lot of teams that value speed at the, in the middle, but they don't get guys with instincts. You got to get guys with instincts who have speed. Because if you have instinct, guys who are instinctive who have speed, then they're right around the ball all the time. Willis and Bowman were amazing. Uh, Greenlaw and Warner are equally amazing. Queen and Roquan are really special. You know, it's funny. It's like there's so much emphasis in today's NFL on the perimeter. Wide receivers, corners, edge rushers. But it's really, really vitally important that the guys in the middle, both safeties, uh, your inside, your defensive tackle combo, your inside backers. It's really important that those guys be instinctive and are going flowing on all at all times in the right direction, whether they get there or not. I mean, the game's changed. Um, it used to be where if you were a four-nine linebacker, you could you could play. Then it was like, hey, if you were a four-point-seven speed linebacker, you could play. Now, if you're a four-seven linebacker. They're going to isolate you in space against an athletic player, and they're going to force you off the field. The Niners have nothing but four or five linebackers who really run well and are instinctive, and they got a great linebacker coach in Johnny Holland. They got In this game, I would like to see D. Winters and Jalen Graham get some run. Um, I think those guys are the future, but I think those guys are also the key to keeping Warner and Greenlaw fresh. You give me a fresh Warner and a fresh Greenlaw in the playoffs – um, I'll take my chances with the 49ers. Well, last question I had, uh, I don't unless you want to go out to practice right now. No, whatever, whatever you want. I think one thing I've thought about all year, I think a lot of people have, is the secondary good enough to win a championship. Yeah. And, I, you know, Ambry's having, Ambry Thomas is having like this quick little hand surgery. 
right. that's supposed to be fine, and he'll be back. It really highlights how good, uh, how important it is to have the buy. You got Jair Brown, who's the replacement for Hufunga, beat up Gibson, right? Uh, didn't have a great game in that Ravens game. Um, I think he's he's banged up too. He's dinged up. Yep. Uh, you get, so Lenore's. You got Lenore in the slot. You got Mooney Ward, who at any moment, you know, has been good, but at any moment, some groin, nagging groin issues. So is this is I, I what I've said for a few weeks now is I think this group is good enough. But as crazy as it is to say, I think part of it is contingent on Ambry Thomas being healthy. I don't think they get into Jason Verrett. You know, I think if it gets that far, you really you're playing with fire. What do you think? Yeah, I'm worried a little bit about Verrett and Logan Ryan playing significant roles because I think, you know, Verrett hasn't played. He gave up that touchdown. I don't know what you can expect to get out of him. Logan Ryan can play safety, but he's not real physical. He's more of a grab-and-drag tackler at safety. He's not a hitter. So they lose a lot of their physicality when they lose Jair Brown. Um, I would rather them coach up Darrell Luter and Samuel Womack and get those guys on the field because I see the upside potential. Those guys have great talent. Um, and I think both those guys have the ability to make plays and be significant players. So it's a very young secondary guy. I mean, Jair Brown, very young. Luter's young. Womack's young. Lenore's young. Ambry's young. These guys are all either rookies, first or second or third year players. They're really relatively young. But there's a lot of talent there. And if they can, I would rather lean on that youth and try to coach them up and live through their mistakes than go to more limited veterans like Verrett and Ryan. And maybe, you know, I mean, you might need them all. And we're going to see them all in this game, I would imagine. But I feel really good about what I'm seeing out of Womack and Luter in small doses. And I would like them to trust that their young DBs can do the job. And I, to me, the Niners, have, if they're going to win the Super Bowl, they're going to need the young DBs to kind of play, to kind of grow up fast and play at a high level in some high-pressure games. Yeah. And it's not a it's not a given. It's absolutely not a given. So, um, But I like the talent. I love Jair Brown's talent. I think he may be better than Hafanga. And um, I really love you know, Lenore, the way he's come on, Mooney's playing great. He's probably going to make a pro You think he's better bowl. than Afunga right now or just will be better than Afunga because I think of his ceiling? I think he's better than Afunga right now, to be honest, because I think Afunga um, is not as sure of a tackler. I think there's more – you know, Jair Brown's more of a hitter. I think Jair Brown um, is smart, not as smart as Afunga as far as – the way he sees the game, Hafanga would anticipate the mesh point in the handoff and literally arrive right on time. And Hafanga has got some play playmaking ability where he understands how to arrive exactly on time. But Jair Brown's got great nose for the ball in coverage, and he's almost like an extra linebacker in the box. So I, I kind of like the skill set that, that Brown brings. And he might ball. be healthy enough. He might be healthy enough by January 20th. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to find out. You know, the nice thing about Jair Brown, too, according to the coaches, um, he's healing fast. You know, he's a fast healer. He's a fast healer. He's a young guy. He's a young guy, and he's a very confident player. I was talking to Eric Harris today about him, and he said, you know what, people don't realize how good of a player he is mm. and that two years from now, Jair Brown's going to be one of the best in the league. That's good to hear. My, um, you had Tay Martin this week. My guy this week is Ronnie Bell. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ronnie, remember him and Darnold in the preseason uh, connected. He hit that – Darnold hit him with that deep ball. What yeah. was that? Was that Minnesota was that Minnesota in the preseason? What uh, game was that on the road? Dome green. game. Oh, uh, was it Atlanta? No, I don't remember. Whatever it was, right sideline ball. I can. T- I don't have their preseason schedule in front of me. And I don't 
feels like a lifetime ago. But um, Darnold hit him with a go ball in the preseason that was uh, to the bottom. I think that was a big throw. Uh, oh, maybe it was the Raider game. It was the Raider or the Charger game. It was an indoor game, but it was the Raider game. It was week one of the preseason. So I, I like Ronnie Bell. The other reason I like Ronnie, one thing I would I would try to get Ronnie Bell involved offensively this week. Mm-hmm. I didn't love the hesitation he had on that punt return a few yeah. weeks ago, and um, you know this guy's not just a punt returner. He is a wide receiver. I don't even think he's. I think he's a better wide receiver than he is a power turner. So, so all those confidences can work together. Yeah, I think. And I would get him the ball on offense, knowing that I may need him to return punts. Yeah. Now he covered the ball up well last week. He did a good job with it. Maybe Ray Ray will be back, and it won't matter. But Ray Ray had his practice window open today, so he'll be out there today, and they have to decide in three weeks if he's going to be up or not. But. I'll, I'll tell you the one thing that the 49ers have that's unique is that usually the back end of your receiving core are not guys that have elite ball skills. But when you talk to Tay Martin and Ronnie Bell, you're talking about guys who are good route runners. Oh, this happened to me the other day. Good route runners and um, really good ball skills, like well above average yeah. ball skills. So I would not, I, you know, like if they had to have Ronnie Bell make a key catch in a key situation. He's totally capable, and so is Tay Martin, as far as when I say capable, of running the right route, catching the ball in a crowd, taking a hit, holding on. You know, these are advanced receiver. You, you know, your ball skills are really challenged in tight moments when you catch the ball in a crowd, have to take a hit, um, and both those guys catch it very cleanly and purely. So um, I, I think they can make plays. I'm excited to see what – Ronnie Bell and, and Tay Martin do here in week 18. Juwan Jennings being back in in three weeks would be a big deal. Yes. Juwan Jennings is also, in some ways, the toughest guy on the team. You know, you, what you do, how many receivers do you say, oh, yeah, it's the toughest guy on the team? But I went around the room earlier this year and I was saying to a couple different guys, hey, if you're in a, you know, you're in a bar fight or you're in a rough spot, and you you're playing have, for Harbaugh's Niners. Yeah. You got to have some guy up here roll up and, and defend you. Who are you going to go with? And I heard a lot of Kinlaw, mm-hmm. a lot of Greenlaw, and a lot of JJ. Yeah. You know, Juwan mean, Jennings will fight you, and that's what makes him tough. He ran four seven six. I mean, that's a really that's a that's not even that's a really 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 slow time. But for some reason, it doesn't really matter. He's field fast. He's dependable. He's tough. He's a good route runner. He he's not afraid to take a hit. All of the Niner receivers run across the middle of the field like they freaking own it. And you saw George Pickens the other day. Look, you know he's kind of he didn't want to block. And there's a lot of diva receivers that don't feel comfortable running in the middle of the field. The Niners don't have any of those guys. Mentally tough and physically tough. I mean, I think to be a guy who doesn't see the ball for three quarters and then on third down and seven in the fourth quarter, the ball's coming to you or, yeah. you know, I mean, I, like, I don't, we don't. JJ's had some of the biggest catches yes. in the playoffs. How about some of those out routes? He had one in Dallas. I think he had one against Green Bay. You know, you're talking about, I gotta have it. You know, like the 49ers have Debo and Ayuk and Kittle. Those are three awesome receivers, but all 49er fans understand that if, if the game's on the line and it's the fourth quarter and it's third and seven, and the season is on the line, and you throw it to J.J., there's not a Niner fan in the world that would question that because he's that 
solid of a receiver. Uh, I'm, I'm just noticing now we're streaming on both channels, but since I initiated the stream, only my name is on the screen, so I apologize about That's that. That's all right. Uh, uh, Juwan Jennings has 19, 19 catches. Mm -hmm. I just looked. Did you yeah. see how many of them are first downs? No. What would be your guess? Oh, I would say 11. 12. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean that to me, that tells the whole story of this guy. Yeah. Like, you like – First I'm downs and touchdowns. That's uh, the guy. Nineteen catches? catches. Like I'm pretty sure every game I see him make three big plays. How's he only have nineteen catches? But you know, and blocking obviously is a big part of it too. He's an amazing player. And and it's funny you talk to Tennessee fans. Um, you know, you looked at that forty time, and you're like, wow, this guy's kind of slow. And then you looked at the round he was drafted in, and then you the you, seventh. Yeah, you, the seventh oh. round. And then you talk to some of those Tennessee fans, and to a man, they're like, oh man, you got a good one. Well, he you had that hail mary one. catch, right? Yeah, he's just. He was he's like a made man in Knoxville. I mean that guy's oh. that guy could be like the mayor of Knoxville someday. Seventh round, and then we didn't see him as rookie year, right? Right. Like, just was not it wasn't like Ayuk or Dante Pettis who were expected to come in and, and do something. It's he redshirted and then you watch him and went, Oh my god, maybe he should have been playing. He blocks, so. he catches in a crowd, he he's in his route running on the on the essential routes, like the you know, an out route that where he's in, you know, under pressure. Um, you know, he's just, he just comes up big, just comes up big. He's not, he, he does not play with any fear uh, to me. That's the mo one of the most, uh, discernible traits of this 49er team that stands out compared to other teams. And you don't really notice it until you watch other teams week after week is that Kittle, McCaffrey, Juice, Debo, Ayuk, Jennings, all of their top tier weapons you can throw it to them in a crowd. They can catch it, take a huge hit, hold on, and they can do that repeatedly. And it's like that's the norm. And that's just – those are hard guys to find. There's all kinds of receivers out there that make great catches, but in a crowd, after a big hit, the ball comes loose. Uh, these guys run across the middle like they own it, and it's impressive. I know this game doesn't matter, but I, I do think 12-5 and five is not what this team – should be in the history books. I think this is a 13 and 4 team just based on what they are at their best. Right. And I think if they were to lose the game, and it, it doesn't matter, they go on to win the Super Bowl. But let's say they go on to win the Super Bowl 15, 20 years, you look back at the football reference, you're going to see a 12 and 5 team. It's like you're almost number one in offense, number one and defense. They're not number one in both, but yeah. like they're that level of team kind of all year long. This team deserves the record book. This team in the record books deserves to have 13 wins, I think. So the for greatest, that, among other reasons, I think. I'd like to see you them like, win. I, I, to me, I, I think my favorite 49er team of all time was the 88 Niners who went 10-6, and six, got hot at the end, and were unstoppable in the playoffs and beat the Bengals in Super Bowl twenty-three. And um, it's the way you play, the day you play. It's, it's how you, how, what kind of momentum you have at the end of the year. I've seen 14-2 and two Niner teams get upset in the playoffs. I've seen 10 and 6 Niner teams win the Super Bowl. So uh, it's really just about, you know, locking in and focusing and playing big in the playoffs and getting momentum. It's like how I think Shanahan has learned a lot uh, compared to the beginning, beginning of his run here, where he understands that it's really the most important thing is how your team is playing once you hit the playoffs. How fresh are they? How rest are they? How healthy are they? How focused are they? And there's, to me, this feels like their best chance to get the ring. I, I, there are other good teams 
wouldn't say there's not, but um, I don't think there's a team out there that 49ers would not expect to be in the playoffs or the Super Bowl. All right. Anything else before we go? No, other than good to see you. And, uh, good to see you. I, I, I enjoyed you sitting in with JD on KMBR. I heard your, your guys' interview with Kurt Warner was fantastic. And I, I loved what Warner said to you guys about Purdy. Um, and I'm trying, and I did a whole video on it. And it's like, I just feel like Kurt kind of understands um, what makes Brock really good. I thought he, in that interview with you and JD, um, he kind of spoke to it, you know, about about what you're really looking for in a quarterback, and and you know what stands out to him about about Purdy, and it just seems like he, more so than some other people, just has a real good understanding of, you know, he doesn't get wowed by, you know, um, the the final. I mean, it's like Brian Billick one time said in an interview on KMBR, he said the hardest thing to evaluate is the quarterback versus what's going on around the quarterback. Mm. And sometimes it takes an NFL quarterback to watch the film and kind of assess the quarterback's job or the quarterback's performance versus what's going on around. And I thought in that interview, he kind of did a little bit more of that. You know, he kind of put a lot of what we saw from Brock in that Ravens game into perspective. It was after the Ravens game. It was it? after the Ravens yeah. game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was good stuff. Man. Yeah, it was good. All right. Well, uh, if you're watching on Larry's channel, like and subscribe. If you're watching on uh, my channel, like and subscribe. And uh, we didn't get, you know, usually I know we we spend some time on comments. Uh, you do, I know, and I do too. But That's today right. is a little bit of a... We're sitting in the dark here at Levi's. We're sitting in the dark at Levi's, yeah. So, Dude, I love streaming with you, man. And, yeah. and tell John I said hi, and I you will. guys do incredible stuff. I, I watch a lot of your stuff, and uh, it's been a it's been a great season. I, you know, you guys put out a lot of good content. I know a lot of the people in the chat who, you know, I'll get, I'll hear, hey, I like this guy, I don't like that guy. They always love when you and John, uh, you know, stream on the Krug Show, uh, and we'd love to do it on a regular basis. Let's do it again. Yeah, let's we'll do, do it, it soon. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Kevin. Yeah, my son. I've never uh, gotten to work with Kevin before until today. Oh, I'm telling you, he's the key to my channel. <laughs> Absolutely the key. He's the MVP. He's the boss. I call him the boss man. Boss man. Thanks, boss, boss man. man Thanks for making sure that, you know, sometimes uh, when I go solo in kind of a, a non-home game situation, I, I spend a minute getting my audio right, which is awful, terrible. So we got this dialed today. All right. Uh, anything else? Goodbye. No. All right. Bye, everybody. Go Niners. Thanks, Beat everybody. the Rams and Niner fans get ready for uh, hopefully a deep playoff run. It should be fun. All right. Later.